0: increasing regulation, market saturation, and rising interest rates. Still think short-term rentals make sense? You're not alone. Join industry experts Bill Faith and Kenny Bedwell as they discuss how you can invest while still staying ahead of the curve, identifying trends before they happen, or blowing them away outright with their insights. This is STR Anomics. Are you looking to invest in short-term rentals in North Carolina or South Carolina? There's a lot of great markets there, but even more importantly, the markets are that you find the right agent, and that's where my man, Tyler Kuhn, comes into place. I personally used him for three purchases, totaling over $3.5 million, and I would not look to anybody else. Just jump down into the show notes right here below the podcast, click on the link, and book a free discovery call with Tyler to explore the opportunities in both North Carolina and South Carolina today. Hey everybody, welcome to the SDRnomics podcast. I'm joined by my good friend, Kenny Bedwell. This is the second time that we've done this in person and live, right?
1: Yeah, (laughs) part two. Part two, it's kind of exciting. So we're gonna be taking
0: questions from our
2: mastermind meeting and sharing them with you. Yeah, so basically, for me at least, I have a 25% increase in revenue right now in snowshoe compared to whatever I'm hearing. I mean, the thing with snowshoe is still it's 180 inches of snow. That's what they predict. It's at 4,840 feet. And that's one reason I chose snowshoe, because when it comes to the best ski resort or, you know, man-made, and they keep increasing that capacity, the technology is there. And that's what has changed, you know, because they will have, you know, serve you one way or the other, whether it is natural snow or man-made snow. So so far it has been good. Meaning, I think the only thing which... It scares me a little bit, is like things like a recession, because ski markets per family per individual are much more expensive than beach markets. Because in a beach market, all you have to do is just, you know, stay in the house, eat the food. But, so that's a that's a
0: very interesting
2: thing that he just said.
0: How many of you ski? It's super expensive to ski, especially if you don't own your equipment and you rent. And you have hundred dollars to $150 pass, and you got to rent boots and blah, 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 and all that type of stuff. That's one of the reasons why I believe that you can get a higher ADR at the beach, because there's not a whole lot of additional expenses that go with that. Once again, consumer conditioning, right? And those are things that I think we have to think about. I think ski markets, if we actually do end up going into a recession, which... I haven't, we've been waiting for it for nine and a half yeah. months now. It's like we do a podcast every now and then. Are we in a recession? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> then I do believe that we'll see ski markets will get harder at our level, at Snowshoe, at Beach Mountain, at Sugar Mountain. The high-end park cities, the high-end Aspens, think about it. If somebody makes a million dollars a year in income and they lose 20%, they make 800000 They can still fucking buy groceries. If somebody makes $150,000 a year and they lose $30,000 in income, that's tight, especially if it's a single family earning, single family earner, right? That can impact grocery habits. That can impact buying a new pair of $150 Air Jordans and it sure as hell is gonna impact that luxury ski trip Mm -hmm. or that beach trip. So I think we have to think about those scales of economy when we're investing. That's why I feel way more insulated in the luxury space, because I, be, I don't have no data on this. I don't know what the average household income is coming to my properties, but you live in two different, you know, zones of that here. Snowshoe with your, one, your 49 one and two bedrooms, way more susceptible to, to be impacted if we go into that recession than the people that are booking your three huge properties in
2: the O B X. So I love that you're diversified that way. Yeah, definitely. The, the recession is one part which, you know, because, on average, when I sometimes, meaning, this year, for example, a two-bedroom for the weekend, I have almost rented for $3,000. So imagine <laughs> a, someone who is actually coming in, paying $3,000 for a two-bedroom, and then they have six people, and getting their tickets, and by the time. And the other thing is, like a place like Snowshoe, it's landlocked. So there are only few restaurants you can go to, and they charge you a lot of money. So that, that weekend trip might be five six thousand dollars and people don't realize it and it's only for five six people so per person cost is much higher than typical beach rental meaning even higher than my obx rentals
1: i'll just kind of add
2: while that, that mic is getting passed
1: it's more and more important now when you're evaluating properties to make sure you do run some sort of good better best modeling because what if, you know, there's always this what if, and I mean, it's getting more and more prevalent that something serious could, a downturn in the economy could happen. And where if you're in a luxury or, you know, ski in some really mountain, a lot of mountain properties, you need to take into account, what if I don't actually make this expected revenue, especially if you're running off the the trailing 12 months. So, um, you know, we've talked a lot about that in other episodes on what you can do to not just run off the last 12 months, but. You know, I'm starting to, when I'm evaluating properties, I'm saying, okay, great, I've come up with a number, but it's really turned into a range. It's no longer just, okay, you know, this is the high end and this is what I'm gonna run everything off of, but what if it's only gonna do X? Is that enough? Yeah, is that enough to pay the bills? Am I happy with that if there was this downturn that was expected? So I think it's really important that we're doing that when we're also evaluating some of these markets as well. Agreed. Okay, um, I am renovating a property. It is going to be up and running in a month-ish, and it's a mountain and lake
0: property, mountain being first, lake being second. What are some of the top amenities I should put in my property, Kenny, sorry, Bill, this is for Kenny, uh, <laughs> that uh, will really help me increase revenue and occupancy? So, I I'm mean... i sit here and drink some wine. There you
1: go. <laughs> Really, grape juice, right? No, it's <laughs> so, not. No. <laughs> so, I mean, well, for your property, we talked about, and it's interesting, and I think let's unpack that one. So, you asked me yesterday kind of this question. Well, you asked me, what should I put in an extra bathroom or just a hot tub first? Which one should go first, bathroom or hot tub? And when you really look at the data, the bathrooms are very, very valuable and the return on investment is uh, a lot sooner than just putting in a hot tub. You know, when I think we're looking at four threes versus four twos in that market, and there was a big revenue difference between those. And so uh, really, you know, anyone listening, if you're trying to decide between a bathroom, adding a bathroom and a hot tub, if you're, you know, say you have a three one or a, uh, you know, a four two, and you're wanting to go to that next step, it's worth it, so do that. But mountain markets, you know, we talked about, uh, you know, obviously hot tubs are huge, but what else, what else can you do? One of the biggest things that, you know, I always say beach markets struggle with this uh, the most, but mountain markets do too, is having that fast Wi-Fi connection. <laughs> a lot of people are looking for that. <clears throat> so, you know, this was my first, I just spent a whole month away from Buffalo. I, li- I was in Destin, Florida, staying, get snowbirding. and... One of the requirements for the place I was staying at was you got to have good Wi Fi. It can't be, you know, just, you know, 50 megabytes. It's got to be over 100 at minimum, because I'm recording podcasts, I'm on video calls, I'm doing all these and things. And 100 is not very fast. Sure, but right, but minimum that, right? So um, fast Wi Fi, which is amenity on Airbnb labeled as over 200 megabytes, is really important. And especially in mountain markets, you're going to want to, probably look at seeing if you can have, I don't know what kind of Wi-Fi they have out there. If it's like fiber or if it's satellite, get a booster, you know, like.
0: In my opinion, the minimum is 200 on Airbnb. You better have 300 or more. And then you need to factor in if you're streaming two, three, four, five, six televisions on smart TVs and you don't have cable. So if you're like 200 or below, you better have cable because you're gonna get kids in there streaming and nobody's gonna be able to use the internet.
1: Right, I agree with that. So the biggest thing, the, the biggest amenity that, I mean, there's there's a lot of little things that we can add to properties, but we need to focus on things where it's one size fits all. So what are amenities? Like if you're if you're thinking on the lower end for costs, like you can add outdoor games, but the biggest one I've seen that actually has a very strong impact on revenue, especially in mountain markets are fire pits. And I'm not talking about just like a measly old fire pit that you can throw out a rondeck chairs around. I'm talking about, a nice area where people can gather together and then promoting that you know, through images and, and marketing you know, in have your you seen listing. that one at
0: the Elk Lodge in Banner Elk? I have not seen it. You have. It's pretty amazing. I own it.
1: Oh, oh, oh the Elk Lodge. Okay, got it there. I got I'm, the... Just yeah, yeah. kidding.
0: Yeah. So what, let's, exp, let's un, as you say, unpack that a little bit. So you say, don't just go by the fire ring and get the landscaping stones and throw six Adirondack chairs around it. So people are thinking, well, do I have to spend a hundred grand or do I have to, because no. that, that still is going to cost like 3000 bucks. If you're getting right. the stone and you're putting some, you know, gravel down and you're putting like $200 Adirondack right. chairs down there, it's not inexpensive. So how much do I have to invest? How big, big the fire pit you've seen mine, I, it was, came with a house, but they do probably spend a hundred G's on all the stone there. Does it have to be like that?
1: No. What, is, so, what do they need? So the data, I guess. A lot of, to answer this question, I like to look at how much revenue a fireplace could really generate to begin with. Not just, sorry, I say fireplace, uh, fire pit. Fireplaces are also great too, especially in mountain markets.
0: Is there like, a difference between an f- outdoor fire pit and an outdoor fireplace? Out, an outdoor fire, you mean an indoor fireplace? Outdoor fireplace,
1: yeah. Oh, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't have the data on that. Okay. So. The one you did your lake property.
0: Yeah, I think yeah. they're two completely separate things. Is like a pizza
1: oven and everything but so going back to like the fire pit so on average we're seeing a 10 to 12 percent increase in revenue with from properties who have nicer fire pits 10 to 12 percent okay so, so i'm gonna
0: because i sent you an email like two weeks ago right so people want you to explain define nicer right you're giving you give them the data but i mean do i do need am i spending five grand is it 18 inches? What do I have it, to do? To- well,
1: why I started with the impact on revenue is because it depends on the property size. If you're only making $30,000, investing in a $10,000 fire pit is not going to give you, you know, $10,000 in return. I mean, that's maybe, a, if we're talking 10%, 12%, maybe $3,000.
0: I paid five, $535,000 for my A-frame on Beach Mountain. But how much, how much should I spend on my fire pit?
1: I, th- <laughs> I, love, I love the loaded question. If, 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 sure.
0: if I'm going to get a 10% return, so let's say $5,350 in additional rental income, should I spend roughly five grand to build out that fire pit?
1: I think it's worth it. I think it's worth five five grand. Every pro- Once again, let me back it up here. I think if you have that one bedroom, that two bedroom property in these mountain markets, a five grand fireplace is going to be a overkill. Just what it is. But if that's,
0: you're, a, that's a $380 solo stove.
1: Sure. But match the
0: house. right. Yeah, 100%. Ma-
1: match the house, you know, but providing that one size fits, providing that experience, allowing the guests to have that experience for that at that property. But, you know, you start talking three, four, five, three plus bedrooms. You should invest in having a nicer fire pit. And right. that could be up to $5,000, you know, bigger properties. You're going to want to look at a little more. So up to ten thousand, even it might it will most likely be worth it. Awesome, Don. So you've been spending a lot of time lately helping the people in your mastermind or at your conferences understand the importance of doing marketing and not just sitting back and relying on Airbnb and putting together a marketing strategy. Do you have experience from your past life that um, helps you with the marketing strategies you're helping people with today?
0: Not, I do. Not this life, but the, the, the past previous life. life? Yes. yes. <laughs> Yes, I'm a in- reincarnated <laughs> digital marketer. Um, I do. I mean, I've been doing really digital marketing heavily since about 2003. Between Chris and I, we've probably run between somewhere 12 to $15 million in LinkedIn, Google, Facebook ads, TikTok ads, Snapchat ads. We've done, done it all. I mean, I was an SEO for six years. I've built over 1,600 websites. I think I'm pretty qualified. Actually, I'll take my ego hat off. I'm the best fucking marketer in this industry, hands (laughs) down. There's nobody that has the experience that owns and influences in the way that I do it. And it's one of the things I'm on a mission to explain to everybody the value of CRO, the conversion rate optimization, you know, like why I use sales pages versus websites for, you know, our properties. But I don't do it by myself. I have Chris that is a huge component of that. So I'm a huge believer... And I won't tell the entire story. One of my good friends passed away, a client, uh, last December. And I sat and had a three-hour conversation with him in Miami at the hotel one street over from where we were, at the Ritz-Carlton. I think it was 2015. And he was on his third business. And he was my best student. He was like Emil, my best student with funnels and sales pages. This is in 2015. He had a limousine company. Ken Carter was his name, Advanced Limousine in Indianapolis. And he said, man, this stuff's hard. I didn't plan on spending 20, 30 hours a week marketing my company. I signed up to own the business and be the owner. I said, man, you ever heard of the guy named Steve
2: Jobs?
0: (laughs) You know, there's no question, that first iPhone, I don't care what anybody says, was not superior to the BlackBerry. I don't even know that it was superior to the Trio, to be honest with you. Anybody remember those phones? But Steve Jobs was the absolute best marketer, the best presenter In launching a product ever. He who sells and markets their product best will win. You can have a good product or service going up against a great product or service, but if you can out market that great product with your good product or service, you will win every single time. That's the importance of marketing. You need to know how to do three things as an owner or a co-host or anybody that's investing into short-term rentals. You need to know how to do digital marketing, which is, in my opinion, Facebook ads, email marketing, organic social media. Those are the only three things in that order. You need to know how to do listing optimization and you need to know how to do pricing optimization. Because you can't just set and forget price labs or beyond or wheelhouse anymore. If you can really get those four skills and be good too great, be great at one, but be good at all the others you'll outperform 95% of this industry. That's my mission. That's why I focus on marketing so much because that's the superpower that has allowed me to outperform AirDNA's 90th percentile by 50 to 60% every single time. Are you looking to purchase an STR in the Western North Carolina mountains, the high country, maybe even on, on the beach of North Carolina in the OBX or all the way down into Hilton Head, South Carolina? My man, Tyler Kuhn from Savvy Realty, has you covered and one of the things that i love about tyler is he specializes in short-term rentals he takes a no bs approach is honest and is filled with integrity how do i know this because i've used tyler on three transactions totaling almost three and a half million dollars and he has absolutely crushed it for me look if you're not sure where you should invest he's based out of Asheville, north carolina He helped me invest in Banner Elk, North Carolina, and Beach Mountain, North Carolina. He's not only just a real estate agent that specializes in short-term rentals, Tyler is also an owner of short-term rentals and owns a management company. So one of the biggest hurdles for us mentally is to get over, how do I find cleaners? How do I find handymen? How do I find a plumber? Well, you know what? Tyler's dialed in and he helps his clients navigate those issues. So... If you're looking to invest pretty much anywhere in the Carolinas, Tyler Kuhn from Savvy Realty is your man. And right now he's actually doing a free discovery call. You can click
2: down on the link in the notes and set up your free discovery call with Tyler today. So what I was gonna comment, I I don't know how many of you have account managers with Verbo, anybody? They can't see them. Just ask the question, they won't be able to see. The account managers with Verbo usually, you know, The difference between Airbnb and Verbo is, actually in Verbo, they have account managers and I I have found them very, very helpful because if my listing is missing amenities, they will actually, they have backend data, they will say, hey, you know, all this is missing, you can actually update it. But the other thing I really like, the data I have got several times from them is, like what are people looking in snowshoe and the top amenity, right? So like what, Kenny, you are saying, if you are operating in a market and you have, because these people get a lot more data because they own the data and people are coming to their website. So in my case, about 45% of my bookings are through Verbo and they're far more than I get from Airbnb. So for me, it is very important to get the data and they are able to actually really tell me, hey, you know, in my market, you know, the one of the most searched things is hot tubs. and Based, and,
1: based on... I think it's important, so not to cut you off there, but we got We need to be careful when you say like, one of the most searched things is hot tubs. Well, what if, you know, there's hot tubs and pools and those are the only two options? Yeah, well, yeah, hot tubs is gonna be most searched. So that is true. Like, yeah, people wanna stay in a hot tub in the beach market. But one of the issues I have with the OTAs, filters when I say OTAs, so, airbnb the filters is that they only they limit you in what you can filter they don't give you all the amenities so i think we have to be careful in saying you know yes this is you know per vrbo or per airbnb this is the the amenity that all the guests want i think there's some validity in it but um just just be careful in terms of like trying to understand that uh, because the data might say the true data behind it, and when we run an actual like statistical analysis on it, it might say something else. So, just I, you know, no, no, hot man, tubs you, are right though, so right, yeah, right.
2: But I think what I did is I actually used that data and I changed my list accordingly. And the ones which, because not every property I have has hot tub or pool, and I think the combination of the two is actually performing the best. So, are you I'm,
0: using Rank Breeze? I'm
2: using RankBreeze too. And what was the impact in RankBreeze when you did that on your Airbnb listings? I don't have a lot of data with RankBreeze. I have only started doing it for the last two, three months. So I can't, meaning it, the rankings, have, meaning I've been making changes, so I don't have a good answer to you. So but here, here's what I would say,
0: and then we got time for one more question from one more person. My advice from a marketing perspective is focus on Airbnb, not Verbo, because we can't benchmark Verbo, right? Yeah. And Airbnb is Google and Verbo is Yahoo. For most markets, Airbnb outperforms. And if you're not outperforming on Airbnb versus Verbo, in my opinion, you're not optimizing well enough. So you gotta look at your rankings. Now, if you're on the first page on Airbnb and you're getting more bookings from Verbo, then you're gonna prove my theory wrong. But if you're on the fifth page of Airbnb, that's a completely different story. Right? So we don't have a technology to where we can really benchmark, you know, and test verbo. We only have that through RankBreeze, which can only get that access from Airbnb. So I put all of my eggs into optimizing Airbnb, and hopefully I don't get affected negatively on mm-hmm. verbo. But I have to use Avery Carl's enemy method and use an incognito browser to go into verbo and track that. So that's part of my process when I make changes. I go and I look at my benchmarks in Airbnb, then I'll go and I'll look at my benchmarks in Vrbo because I use owner res and it pushes out you know, to both listings at the exact same time. Does that make sense? So now you're gonna have a little bit more Kenny-like scientific you know, type of data uh, to be able to track when you're working on ranking optimization.
2: So one of the things I'm curious to hear your perspectives on is around revenue management, but
1: specifically as you think of 2023, and how you market towards the compression events and holidays and seasonal shifts that you need to do in your revenue management. Okay. Dive into booking lead time and do it right this time? Yeah.
0: (laughs) I mean, I think that's like the number one thing that you have to understand is booking lead time.
1: Correct. So booking lead time, uh, I know we've talked about it as a group, but for those listening uh, not with us, so booking lead time is how far out are guests looking to book in the current like as of today so booking lead time can change over time you know most guests you know for the summer they're in a lot of markets they're looking now however urban markets the booking lead time in general especially during the winter season it could be less than three weeks so it it varies market to market and that is what can impact your revenue management so understanding when your guests are looking and how far out they're looking and adjusting your prices is how i you know maximize my revenue so meaning that i think this this needs to be dialed, you know dialed into meaning that if i don't have a booking so if my let's say my booking lead time is is 20 days that's what it is in buffalo new york is 20 days as of today so if i have openings that are less than 20 days then i need to start adjusting my prices or looking and tweaking other things to to try to get those dates booked if I'm getting bookings beyond 20 days, then I should start raising my prices. I should really raise my prices. If I get a booking today for July 4th weekend, that is like 99% booked in Buffalo on July 4th, like not now, but in you know July 4th, if, if I get a booking today, my prices were too low. So I need to go, I jack my prices up on dates I know that are, are really popular. I, use, I do use Price Labs for my dynamic pricing. And I'm also looking at you know compression events and things. Buffalo, we've got the bills. I adjust for football games immediately. When I get the schedule, when the schedule drops, I go in and jack up my rates because that's when we get booking. So I'm not only just using booking lead time, but I'm also trying to understand when the big events are too and raising the prices when I know that that occupancy rates across the market is gonna be close to
0: 100%. I couldn't agree more. I think understanding as, as John the Bank whisper Hodge says, give me your performa, don't tell me a story. You know, because then you're trying to rationalize to yourself to, that, oh my gosh, these numbers, you know, I think they can work. You're basically lying to yourself at that point. And I think we all lie to ourselves about how valuable our properties are. Yep. So I've got my Dragonfly property, which is super high demand. It's usually in top three in all the, the rankings on rank breeze when I look in incognito. I employed the exact same strategy that Kenny's talking about. It is in, I use Price Labs as well. My Price Labs far out is like 50, I think right now it's 55 or 60% higher than the highest rate that Price Labs would have that as. But I'm also doing manual adjustments as well for those compression events like mm-hmm. Hangout Fest, right? Like the 4th of July weekend. And I'm elongating minimums over those times too. So we kind of talked about this yesterday at the beach on Saturday to Saturday, seven days, you know, Saturday, seven day minimum on that property. But that three, two, that's beachfront, that's struggling 20 minutes away. Essentially the same market, different submarket, completely different strategy. I mean, it is 180 different. I've got the three, two, one strategy going on that. Right? So I was last year, I was Saturday to Saturday, seven day minimums this year. It's three days on the weekends, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, it's two days, and I've got a one-night gap, and that one-night gap is 35% above the posted rate, right? So I have to be way more aggressive. I have to lower my minimums because the demand is not there for that property in the same market. If I sit there and I fucking lie to myself, that thing's going to sit there dormant, or I might... Take the opportunity of still being able to do maybe 185 to 200 when I did like 270 last year and I could drop myself all the way down, right? But the the reality of being real with ourselves is we're missing our numbers right now. We can't make up for the lost revenue today, right? So if your property is sitting empty in January and it's sitting empty in February, you can never get that back. So really, in my opinion, we talk a lot about the peak season pricing optimization. That's easy. What we're doing right now when we're all in low demand, like not ski, but if you're in the beach or if you're at the lake or whatever, what we're doing right now is going to make or break our entire year. So I believe that, and that's kind of back to what Don said, the marketing, the pricing optimization, and the rankings, those three things we make or break our cash on cash, our IRR and our cash flow in the shoulder season and the off season. Any Yahoo can come in and dominate in the prime season of your market.
2: So I saw, I can't remember who, um, what pricing software was doing this, but let's say a thousand dollar a night beach house for you a know, thousand a night for seven nights was
0: seven grand for the week. And then when I clicked on the five nights, it adjusted it so the five nights was also 7,000. Or so. 100%. And then on four nights, it was still about a thousand. So it automatically adjusted for the shorter night to give you the same revenue whether you did four nights or seven nights in that same week. So I don't know if Price if Labs has that capability to readjust for you so that, hey, if they're not going to book seven, but I'm going to make the availability of four nights, but I still want seven grand for that week. So, so they would automatically. It's an, see, incre- that? it's an incredible strategy. I believe, don't hold me to this, there's only one tool uh-huh. that will do that. And it doesn't integrate yet with our PMS. I okay. believe that's Wheelhouse. I could be wrong. Anarog, don't shoot me. You know, send me an email if I'm wrong. Yeah. But I don't know how to do that in Price Labs. Do you know how to do that in Price uh-huh. Labs? I don't think Price Labs or Beyond does that. Okay. I believe Wheelhouse is the only dynamic pricing tool that can yeah, do cool. that. Just that, because that's, mm-hmm. that's a big deal. You're 100% correct. And that's one of the th- reasons that I'm looking at switching to Wheelhouse. And I, I'm 99.9% I will switch to Wheelhouse the second they're integrated with Owner Res. That's one of about five separators I believe that they have from Price Labs and also beyond. Thank you guys for all your amazing questions. We really Thanks. appreciate you participating on the uh, STRonomics podcast. Thank you. Great job, Kenny. As always, we'll see you guys on the next episode. Thank you for listening to STRonomics. Stay
2: ahead of the curve and subscribe today. This podcast is a hospitality.fm production.